Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Yeah, it's great to be with you and um, great to be uh, gathering together and worshiping our God and pursuing Him. Uh, Our church exists because there's tremendous suffering. Humans are suffering in, in this church, in this community, in your neighborhood, in your household. People are suffering physically. People are suffering relationally, financially, vocationally, and people are suffering spiritually. Uh, in this life, and many, many, many people are suffering in the next life, separated forever and from God in a place called hell. And so our church exists, frankly, to reduce human, human suffering in this life and hopefully prevent it for people in the next. And uh, so what we're doing this morning is all about that. We do so by making more and better followers of Christ through the gospel uh, who love God and love people, and by deploying you to where you live, work, and play as His ambassadors uh, to uh, do that very thing. Relieve human suffering in this life and the next. And so over this school year, we are going to God's Word to pursue His wisdom in living because uh, doing life God's way uh, is the best way uh, to enjoy life here and certainly to assure it there. And uh, that's the big message of the book of Proverbs, where we're camping out. I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles and turn to that uh, book. It's about halfway through your Bible, uh, just after the book of Psalms, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. Put your finger there, grab your note sheet out of your uh, bulletin and a pen, and uh, we'll, we'll jump in. Hey, I'm curious, how many, how many of you served in our armed services or are currently active? Raise your hands. Yeah, all over the place. You'll, you'll get this one. My, my dad... Uh, served as uh, master sergeant uh, over a group. What, uh, Peter? What would he been? Uh, what would be the? Would that be a company? That what would what would he been over? Platoon. Yeah, he was over a platoon. Now the thing he liked was that most of those guys grew up with him, and he liked being over them. And so, uh, but he he had a lot of fun stories. He this was during the Korean conflict. He had had overseas duty battle combat. Uh, duty in World War II quite a bit, so he didn't get sent overseas, but um, he had responsibility there at Fort Knox during the Korean conflict. Well, there was one one old boy that grew up with him, had a drinking problem. He drank too much. Uh, you know, he only drank it two times, he said, either when he was with himself, uh, with people, or by himself. And so he drank, you know, he drank too much when he got out, and uh, when when he had that opportunity, he'd always be the last one in. Well, the guys in the barracks started this practice. Uh, they'd all be in before him, and uh, they would take their foot lockers, like the ones you're going to see on the screen, and they would pull them out in the aisle. This guy's bunk was the last bunk from the door. And they'd see him coming, they'd pull the foot lockers out, turn off the light, get in their bunks, pretend to be asleep. And here, he'd come, uh, here comes a fully sauced soldier, fumbling in, Try not to wake up his buddies. Take two steps. He'd hit the first foot locker. Daddy said he could hear him. Bam! He's a great big guy. He'd cuss and fuss and moan and groan and get up and take two steps and hit the second one. Bam! He'd hit the floor again. He'd, he'd hit, hit his shins, scraping the skin off his shins, hitting his head and his elbow bruises. He'd get up. Bam! He'd bam! Bam! All the way to his bunk. 
He'd wake up next morning and all tar beat out of him, you know, and, and he wouldn't remember. He never remembered. He couldn't see over what he was tripping. He never got it. We have a problem with that, don't we? Are there some things that are tripping you up? Do you seem to keep bumping your head on the same rock? I mean, are you, are you falling flat on your face relationally, spiritually, uh, your health, in, in all of life, in the complexities of life, you just can't seem to, to get it right? Well, do you know why? No one is born wise. No one. No one is born naturally understanding the complexities of skillful living in every realm of life. Uh, no one naturally knows how life works. No one's born that way. And remember what we learned last week. Life is hard. And it's harder if you're stupid. Now that was John Wayne's paraphrase of the message of God in the book of Proverbs. It says, life is hard. And it's harder if you're Foolish. That's the way the Bible describes that condition. Foolish. Uh, and so we need wisdom. I need wisdom. You need wisdom. We need wisdom. And the reason is because we are not born with it. We are not born wise. No one is. Now, as I thought about these things today and how we would start, uh, I thought about the very first verse in the book of Proverbs. And so I want to start with a warning. And here's the warning, all of us, me, you, every one of us in this room, no matter how intelligent we are, no matter how knowledgeable, educated we are, no matter what percentage of total knowledge we have managed to acquire, and no matter how wise we are, we are in danger of becoming a fool. We are, we are in danger of becoming a fool. And in the next 20 minutes, I want to show you how easy it is and so here's the big point. Write down these words. Be careful. Be careful. So let's, let's do this today by let, letting me tell you a story. just want to tell you a story this morning. So this is a once upon a time, but it's true. Once upon a time, there was an infant son born to King David, king of Israel, and the, the infant's name was Solomon. Now, he was not the only son born to King David, but he became the most important. He became the most well-known. He became the most uh, prominent. And at the end of King David's life, he appointed Solomon to succeed him as king of Israel. Israel at that time was arguably the superpower of the known world. He's going to become the most powerful man in the known world at the time. Now, as we have seen in history, when there is a transition of power, it can get a little bit dicey. And it got a little dicey then. You can read about it. You can read the story of Solomon in the Old Testament in the book of First Kings and, in, uh, and tucked away in the book of First and Second Chronicles, way back over there in the Old Testament. However, Solomon was securely placed as king over Israel. And he served, I mean, he's in the history books, he served as king, ruled but from about... 971 B.C. until about 931 or 930 B.C., along in there. Forty years of peacetime and great prosperity. And um, early in these days as king, the Bible says that one night in a dream, God appeared to Solomon. 
Now, this was not, he didn't just dream that God appeared. The Bible says God appeared to him in a dream. It's very clear. God actually showed up with him. And God asked him, what would you like for me to give to you now that you are king over Israel? And he could have asked for power. He could have asked for riches. He could have asked for prestige. He could have asked for maximum pleasure. But Solomon prayed and asked that God would give him wisdom to be a good king. Give me wisdom and discernment to rule these people rightly, justly. And God was so pleased with what he had prayed that he also gave him great wealth, great power, great prestige, along with God-like wisdom, the wisdom of God. Solomon was wise enough to pray for wisdom. Now, it's a good idea to pray for wisdom because remember, no one's born wise. You weren't born wise. I was not born wise. And this life in this world is bigger than us. It's more complex than us. And we need God's wisdom. Well, evidently God is pleased when people pray that He will grant them wisdom because He, way back over in the New Testament, remember last week, He admonished us, He exhorted us, He encouraged us in the book of James chapter five, uh, chapter 1, verse 5, uh, with these words, If any of you lack wisdom, he should ask of God, who gives all generously, to all generously, without criticizing, and it will be given to Him. You need some wisdom in some realm of your life right now, in your spiritual life, your relationship with Christ, in your relationship with your wife or kids or extended family, friends, uh, in your work, uh, in your, uh, your health, your physical, in your finances. Well, then ask of God, because God is not only the smartest being in existence, He's the wisest being in existence. He not only is total knowledge personified, but He's wisdom personified, and He will give you wisdom. So be praying for it. Well, that's what Solomon did. And that's very interesting. After he woke up, the Bible says the very next thing, the very next thing, he was in his court where he received the public and, and ruled and judged and, and, and governed uh, that he had an audience with two prostitutes. They came to see him. And they, one stepped up and said, Master, I live in a house with this woman. We're the only two in the house. And a while back, I gave birth to an infant son. And three days later, this woman gave birth to an infant son. One night, her infant son perished, died, because she rolled over on him while she was asleep at night. Tragic. Tragic. She awoke and realized that her baby was dead, and so she took him and came to my bed and placed him, the dead baby, at my breast and took my son back to her bed and put him to her breast. So when I woke up the next morning to nurse my son, I realized there were, here was this dead baby. And then when the morning sunlight came, I looked and easily, quickly saw, this is not my son. This is not my baby. And I realized she had my baby. And at that point, the other woman 
cried out, no, she's lying. She's the one that killed her baby and she took mine. That's my child. And no, she... And so it went back and forth and really emotional. And the king finally said, let's stop a minute. And he thought and he said, here we have, this woman says that the baby that is alive belongs to her and the dead child belongs to this woman. This woman says she's the mother of the living child and that the dead infant belongs to this woman. He thought for a moment. He turned to his servants and said, Bring my sword. And so they did. They brought the king's sword. Before they gave it to him, he just instructed his servant, Cut the baby in half. Give one half to this woman and one half to this woman. And at that point, the real mother cried out, No, Master, please don't do such a thing. No, no, no. Please give him, give him whole to this other woman, but do not kill him. And the other woman said, Well, if I can't have him, you can't have him either. Also, cut away. Isn't that interesting how we can get in the position that If I can't have something that someone else has, I don't want them to have it either. What is is that about us? Yeah, it's it's called a sinful heart. That's not a mistake. Remember, we like to think we're mistakers. We're not mistakers. We're sinners. There's something fundamentally wrong. We have rebelled against a holy God. We have uh, in wholesale rebellion, and it has ruined our hearts. We are dead in our trespasses and sins in our hearts, and it causes us to live in such a terrible fashion. Well, Solomon said, we're not going to kill the baby. Take the baby, give it to this woman. She's its mother. Well, the word spread throughout. The Bible says the word spread throughout the entire nation of Israel. And they were in awe of the king's wisdom. And they realized, all the people said, God did that for him. God has given our king that. It is God's wisdom that enables our king to rule uh, justly. And so he became widely known as as the wisest man, not only in Israel, but worldwide. He's known as the wisest man who's ever lived today. The scriptures say, Not only was he wise, he was intelligent. He was very bright, possibly a genius. Not only was he intelligent, but he was knowledgeable. He was well-educated. He he had uh, internalized uh, a significant percentage uh, of uh, total knowledge compared to the other human beings in the world. He was intelligent. He was educated. He was knowledgeable. And he was incredibly wise. He had God's wisdom. 1 Kings chapter 4 verse 29 and following describes him this way. God gave Solomon wisdom, very great insight and understanding as vast as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of all the east. That means you start thinking about go east to India, to to China, greater than all of the wise men to the east and also uh, greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser, the Bible says here, he was wiser than anyone. His reputation extended to all the surrounding nations. Solomon composed 3,000 proverbs. He composed 1,005 songs. 
Uh, he also was a, a biologist. He described trees uh, from the cedar in Lebanon to the hyssop growing out of the wall. He also taught about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. People came from everywhere, sent by every king on earth who had heard of his wisdom to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And his wisdom not only helped him rule the people uh, successfully, but it brought great success to him. What God said he was going to do happened. He became a man of great privilege. He Again, he was born son of a king. He was heir to the most powerful and prestigious throne in the world. He had he had much attention. He was the Prince William of the day. Uh, he was born with privilege. Possessions, he had it all. He became the wealthiest man in the world at the time. And some scholars believe he's the wealthiest person who ever lived. Some would argue that he had incredible possessions. He had great power. He was the head of state of the most powerful nation in the known world uh, at the time. The other superpowers were very quick to form uh, alliances and allegiances uh, with Israel because of their great uh, power. Prestige. Uh, there have been few people in history who have had the standing greater than this man. His reputation uh, for personal intelligence and wisdom reached around the world at the time. 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 23 and 24 sums it up. King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the world in riches and in wisdom. The whole world wanted an audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom that God had put in his heart. Wow, 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 wow. But the wisest man who ever lived became a fool. The wisest man who ever lived. A man whom the Bible said God had appeared to him personally twice. I mean, no doubt. No doubt about that. Who had walked with God, who had the instructions of God, who had the power of God on his life. God had cleansed and enriched his life. But Solomon somehow began to look around and say to himself, yeah, this is great to have God, but you know, I think I need this one other thing and then my life would really be good. 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1 tells us, men, listen to this one. King Solomon became obsessed with women. Well, there you go. There you go. He became obsessed with women. Uh, he, had, he already had a wife. He had a wonderful wife. He had one wife that we see at the time. He married the daughter of Pharaoh. But he goes on here uh, and said, well, you know, but I think if I had another one or that one or that one, wow, or that one too. I'm a king. I could probably have as many wives as I want. And so he began to pursue them. The Bible says he, he pursued many foreign women that he loved from the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Edomites and the Sidonians and the Hittites. Now, the, the word foreign there is not, a, is not a bad word in the sense of race or ethnicity. That was not a problem. The word foreign there refers to a belief in and a following of false gods and religions. That was the problem. That's what, they were foreign to the God of Israel. They were foreign to the following of Yahweh, the God of uh, the Bible, and he pursued them. He, he took them, the Bible says, from the surrounding pagan nations of which God 
had clearly warned Israel, you must not marry them. They'll seduce you into infatuations with their gods. And Solomon fell in love with them anyway, refusing to give them up. Uh, The Bible says he had 700 royal wives and 300 concubines, a thousand women. So there we know a wise man became very foolish because he thought he could handle 700 wives. Now, wives, I'm not, that's not anything bad about y'all. It speaks of the, the narrow bandwidth of the male of the species. We can't, re- we can't love you the way you're supposed to be loved, just one of you. We're not the, we're not the sharpest tool in the shed, as the old Proverbs, Proverbs says. But Solomon became obsessed with women and all the sexual stuff that would go along with that. He's thinking, yes, I have God. I have the blessing of God. I have God in my life. I have His wisdom. I have His blessing. I have His favor. I walk with God. I know God. But, you know, I think I need, if if I just, this would, I'd really be happy if I had these wives, these women. He was looking for something else to cleanse and beautify his life other than a relationship with the God of the Bible. We know Him as Jesus. We're we're tempted to look around and do the same thing. When we do, we forget the gospel. And we begin to develop actually a kind of work salvation. If I can just add this to my life, then I I need her or I need that or I need this. And then this will be great. But I I want Jesus too. But, you know, I think I really need this. So what's the problem with him about these other religions? I mean, you know, you know, we should respect other world religions. Well, really listen to this one. He took up uh, the worship of the goddess Ashtoreth with all the sexual immorality that was involved in the formal public worship of this goddess. Now, I'm not being crass here. This is, I'm quoting the Bible. The Bible calls Ashtoreth the whore goddess of the Sidonians. Sexual immorality was involved. Sexual bondage. uh, Temple prostitutes. He uh, also uh, began to honor the horrible god of the Ammonites, Moloch, whose worship included child sacrifice. Sacrifice of children in the name of a god. Human sacrifice. He went on. He began to build places of worship in the high places because his wives wanted them. And the Bible says that he polluted the countryside with the smoke and the stench of their sacrifices. And he's talking about human sacrifices here. It's bad stuff. Don't believe what our shallow culture says that every world thought and value system and every religion is equally valid. It is not. It is not. Are some of you hearing the stories that are coming out of Syria and Iraq now? The beheading of the children of Christians who will not convert to fundamentalism. Are you hearing that? We're not playing a game here. This is not a nice religion. You know, church, I hadn't said it in a while. Here we go, Larry. Our church is not about a bunch of nice people getting together every week to talk about how nice it is to be nice. They're suffering. The world is broken because of a wrong-headed pursuit of spiritual things. And what you choose matters. And Solomon knew better. He became the wisest fool who ever lived. That's not the only thing he did. 
he decided that uh, he was going to um, try an experiment. It gets worse. He also decided to conduct a radical multi-year experiment to see if there's anything that can bring meaning and purpose to life if I ignore God. If I develop a completely horizontal uh, perspective on life in the world. I know there's God, but I'm going to ignore Him, and I'm going to try everything. And he had the means to do it. He tried uh, pleasure, he tried laughter and comedy and booze and sex and entertainment and ego-building projects, art collections, fun trips, serious work, music, a bunch of other things. He pursued... uh, Uh, intellectualism, career advancement, hard work, helping the poor, adding zeros to an income figure, uh, and he kept a journal. Will any of this bring meaning if I ignore God? He kept a journal. In fact, that journal made it all the way into the Bible. It's the book of Ecclesiastes. But here's the... so Well, that would be good to know, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, but here's the problem. He knew the answer before he started the experiment. If you already know that an experiment, that something's going to produce death and destruction and, and meaninglessness, not only to you, but to the, for the common good, yet you go ahead and do it, what would, that, what, would that, what would you call that? Insanity, we call it. Foolishness. Stupidity. Life's hard anyway. It's harder if you're stupid. It's harder if you're foolish. And then Solomon comes all the way back. He comes to the right conclusion at the end of Ecclesiastes. He said, all of this stuff, if you d- develop a horizontal perspective to say, I'm going to try all these things to cleanse and beautify my life, and you know, I'll, I know God's out there, but I'm going to live as if He's not. I'm going to live like a practical atheist. He said, it's a bad idea. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, he says. Now, we, we like that. That's a good verse. That's darn good advice, right? But he knew the answer before he started. How foolish can you get? And because of all this, God said to him, God became very angry with him. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in verse 9 of uh, 1 Kings chapter 11, God became furious with Solomon for abandoning him, the God of Israel the God who had twice appeared to him and had so clearly commanded him not to fool around with other gods and horizontal living. You see, God is loving and gracious and patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, the Bible says. But you can get Him there. He's not a grandfather that winks at sin. I kind of wink at the misbehavior of my grandfather. Now, she almost never does. She's perfect, right? You know, right? Like yours, grandparents. But, but God is not a grandfather who winks and says, oh, they're just kids. He knows sin is serious because it is a cancer that ruins our life and our eternity and ruins the common good. And it did it with Solomon. How foolish can one become? How are you doing with this living knowing that there's a God and that His name is Jesus, but you live practically each day like He doesn't exist. How's that working for you? Now, lest you feel like I'm getting on your case, there's not a one of us who are followers of Jesus in this room, including the guy who's speaking right now, who at times does not do that. We lapse into this 
thing of thinking we forget the gospel. We forget that Jesus is all we need in His grace to cleanse and beautify our lives. You say, yeah, but I... Well, that looks good, or he looks good, but she looks good, or this, this would be nice. Or... And we begin to live as if God does not exist, and it's always a bad idea. Solomon, look now, here we go, big point. Solomon is not the hero of the book of Proverbs. God is. Solomon is one of his examples to show us that we're like him. So here's the deal. If the smartest, most knowledgeable, wisest man who ever lived can crash and become foolish, how likely is it that you might? How likely is it that I might? So here, here's the two-word application. Be careful. Don't, don't be proud of your humility. Uh, the Scriptures say it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. So whoever thinks he stands must be careful not to fall. I like how the message paraphrase says it. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. So let's, let's proceed in our pursuing Christ with humility and care lest we become the next wise fool. Pray with me. We're going to move into a time of prayer, unhurried, unrushed prayer. And... Uh, You ask God for wisdom. You ask Him for wisdom. Remember, if any of you lacks wisdom in any realm of life, James 1.5, God says, let him ask of God who gives liberally and holds back nothing. So why don't you take a few moments right where you're seated. You need wisdom in your spiritual pursuit of God. Lord, how do I know you? How do I follow you? What's holding me back? You need wisdom in your marriage or your parenting or kids in relationship with your parents, or your colleagues at work. You need wisdom on your job and responsibilities. You need wisdom with your finances, with your own health. Then ask of God who gives liberally. Lord, show me what to do, how to do it, with and by whom and when. Give me your wisdom. And I'll close our prayer time in just a few minutes.
would you take a moment and join me in shifting gears in our prayers? And let's pray for our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, in Syria, and in Iraq who are suffering great persecution because of the name of Christ. There are many others around the world, but they're on our hearts this morning. And just pray, God help them. Pray for justice and and God's peace. God's justice and God's peace in that part of the world today. So Lord, thank You for hearing our prayers. Thank You for Your great grace that You express to us in the Gospel, making a way for moral and spiritual foul-ups like us to be forgiven our sin and reconciled to You and given Your gift of abundant and eternal life through faith in You and what You accomplished when You died on the cross in our place and rose from the dead. And we give You thanks. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.